Verse 7. I saw him, that is the goat, coming up to the ram and he was enraged against him. He struck the ram and broke his two horns. So Aaron won the contest. The ram had no power to stand up against him, so the goat threw the ram to the ground and trampled him. Oh, the poor ram. There was no one who could rescue the ram from his power. All the king's horses and all the king's men. The male goat made himself very great, but as he became strong, his large horn was broken, and four conspicuous horns grew up in its place, toward the four winds of heaven. Last week we had the visions of the four critters. And you remember the first one was the Nebuchadnezzar lion, winged lion. What's his name in the Rudolph movie? I'm King Moonraker. Right? The lion of, on, the, on the island of misfit toys. Right? He's got a lion with, okay, never mind. Sorry, it's Christmas. Okay, uh, and then the second beast was the bear, right? And the third beast, which is this one, the, it's the goat in our text here. The third beast was a leopard with four wings, very fast, like as if a leopard, a, a, a goat that didn't touch the ground. And how many heads? Four heads. So ferocious and four heads. Four conspicuous horns, they correspond to the four heads of the leopard. And in, in history, who does this correspond to? Alex, that's perfect. Alexander the Great's four generals. Their names were, I looked it up, uh, Cassander, which is the male version of Cassandra. Have you ever heard that name? He became king of Greece, went back to Macedon and Greece. And we don't really care about him. Lysimachus became the king of Asia Minor. We don't really care about him either. The two that we care about are the king of Egypt, whose name was Ptolemy. Um, one of Jesus' disciples is named son of Ptolemy, which in Hebrew is bar Bartholomew. Bartholomew. Yeah. So Jesus' disciple, Bart. Um, and, uh, and by the way, almost all, of Bar, uh, uh, almost all of Ptolemy's successors were named Ptolemy. There's lots and lots of Ptolemies in the teens. I don't know how many, 16, 18, 20 Ptolemies. And all the girls are going to be named after my cat. What's my cat's name? My girl cat who disagrees with the law of gravity and other things. Cleopatra. They're all, all the women are Cleopatra, all the men are Ptolemy. Yeah. Even that Cleopatra, she's one of that line. So, of Anthony and Cleopatra. And then the king of Syria and Babylon, who we're concerned about, was named Seleucus, and his line will be the Seleucid kings, especially of Syria. And Syria, by the way, at this time, goes all the way up do you know where the Caspian Sea is? It's one of the biggest freshwater bodies of water in the world. Is it the biggest or is Lake Superior? I forget. I'm going to be biased and say it's got to be Lake Superior. But I don't know. The Caspian Sea is pretty big. You're going to look it up, aren't you, Aaron? Okay, just because I said it. Anyway, it, way up there is a little place called Armenia. 
and even up beyond, we get into Russia and so forth. That's all part of the Seleucid kingdom. So he's got a lot of territory, you know, and he's got a lot of worries. So the king of, of that place isn't always going to be down here. He's sometimes going to be way up north, you know, taking care of business and fighting wars. Okay. Then from one of these horns, a single horn came up. It began small, but it became very large toward the south and the east and toward the beautiful land. What for Daniel would be the beautiful land? Yeah, what, where is he from? Daniel. Yeah, Judea. Yeah, Israel. Yeah. If I were to say the beautiful land, what would you assume I'm talking about? You got that so much more quickly than the morning group. Point at Wisconsin. Yeah. If I put my hand on my heart, Jameis, it's, I'm thinking of Poinette, Wisconsin, which is yeah, the, it's the, it's the, it's the heart of Wisconsin. Yeah. Okay. It is where all of the interstates in Wisconsin meet for a moment because there we're at peace. Yes. And then you get to the Dells and it just all falls apart. Yeah. It, it exalted, it, sorry, it exalted itself against the army of heaven. It made some of that army and some of the stars fall to earth and it trampled them. Okay, here I wonder if, uh, now being good Wisconsin Synod Lutherans, you are, I hope, prepared to accept that prophecies can sometimes have um, a nearby or intermediate fulfillment and then a more distant fulfillment? If David's son will sit on the throne, who might we be talking about? Solomon. But who are we probably talking about? Jesus, right. So we have an intermediate fulfillment and then a telescoped fulfillment down to Jesus. Here, if this army of the Seleucid kingdom um, makes some of the, uh, of the stars fall to earth, we might be talking about the fall of some of the Jews in the immediate future, just 200 years away. We might be talking about the fall of some Christians in the time of the Antichrist. But when I see stars falling... In a prophecy like this, my brain goes somewhere else. Does yours? You think of anything from Ezekiel or Revelation where stars fell? You think of Judgment Day? I think of the other end of time. I think of when the dragon swept a third of the stars out of the sky and some of the good angels became the demons. Um, so there, there, all of these things are involved here, but this would be a prophecy that goes three ways and not two ways. It, that is this goat, right, who is probably the king of the, of, of the Greek kingdom, um, exalted itself against the prince of the army. I like how the EHV, I believe the NIV also does it. Does the, who has an NIV? What do you, what do you got there, Aaron? You have an EHV? Who has an old NIV? Laura, you have a new NIV? Yeah. What do you got there? Is Prince of the Army capitalized? Uh, so it says the Prince of the Host. Yeah, is it capitalized? Prince is, not Prince, but Prince is. Yeah. That, that's what we're looking for. 
If prince is capitalized, then the translator thinks that the prince is who? Jesus. Just like you did, Jameis, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, it exalted itself against the prince of the army. It deprived him of the continual sacrifice. And the place of his sanctuary was thrown down. What's the continual sacrifice? It's the regular sacrifice. Yeah, it's the sacrifice that's happening in, in, uh, in Jerusalem. It deprived him of the continual sacrifice. This is fascinating to me because in Daniel's lifetime, when he gets the vision, the sacrifice is already done. Right? The Babylonians wrecked Solomon's temple. So this, although this is terrifying, there's a little bit of gospel here for the Jews because if this continual sacrifice is going to be stopped, what does that mean? In the meantime, are you tracking with me? It's going to start up again. Yeah, so that's good news. But then it's going to stop again. And oh, that's bad news. But it's going to start. That's good news. It's a little bit like Hezekiah getting that prophecy that, well, it's not going to happen in your lifetime. And he's like, oh, good. You know, I'm sorry it's going to happen, but I'm glad it's not going to happen in my lifetime. So the place of the sanctuary is going to be thrown down. It's going to be rebuilt, but thrown down again. The army and the continual sacrifice will be handed over to the horn during the rebellion, and it will throw truth to the ground. It will succeed in doing this. And here we have a prophecy that goes toward the immediate future, just 200 years away, and to this, this Greek king. And more distantly, to when the Antichrist would throw truth to the ground. You see how that's, it keeps telescoping out that way? You got both things happening? Let's get to Gabriel because I'm saying too much, I think. Then I heard a holy one speaking and another holy one said to the one speaking, how long is the vision about the continual sacrifice and the rebellious sin that causes desolation going to last? Isn't that an interesting phrase? The sin that causes desolation, what does that remind you of? The abomination that causes desolation, which we're going to get talked about in Daniel 11 and again in Revelation, so it's coming. Same thing, just different words. This handing over of both the holy place and the army to be trampled. So the host of the stars from a couple of verses ago, was that verse 10? Yeah. Some of that army and some of the stars fall to earth and it trampled them. Now, the army to be trampled. So it seems like this is talking about in context, not the, ange not the angels, but God's people. Old or New Testament, but God's people. Um, and then he said, these are two angels talking that Daniel's overhearing. He said to him, until 2,300 evenings and mornings, and then the holy place will be consecrated. Oh, there always has to be one of these numbers, doesn't there? So how long is 2,300 evenings and mornings? Should I just tell you? Or Aaron, are you going to find it out quickly for us? It's 6.3 something, isn't it? Okay, 6.30. That's six years and four months or so. 6.3, right? Years. Or it could be almost seven. Seven is a holy number. It could almost go to some holy divine event, but not quite. Or maybe it'll go a literal six years and four months. And um, 
Lutheran interpreters sometimes say either of those two things. So it, it is true that when we're going to get, and we're gonna, when we're going to find out in a moment that this is this Greek king named Antiochus Epiphanes IV, from the time from when he ascended the throne until the time when he dedicates, or rather desecrates the temple and it's reconsecrated by the Maccabees, it's a little over six years. So could it be that? Or could it be that we're telescoping this out to say, before the final ending comes, the power will be brought to an end. And uh, I kind of like that one better, but they're both possible. So usually these symbolic numbers are spiritual and not literal. So I'm a little bit leery of saying 2,300 days is just six years and four months. I'm, I'm, I get nervous doing that because usually visions don't do that. So, I don't know. Verse 15. Let me shut up and let Gabriel talk. When I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I tried to understand it. Then suddenly there was someone standing in front of me who had the appearance of a man. Angels look different ways sometimes in the Bible, but this one looked like a man. And I heard a human voice coming from between the banks of the Ulai. It called out and said, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. So what's between the banks of the Ulai? The river. Yeah. Who speaks from the river of life? Who commands angels? God. Yeah. So God says to Gabriel, Gabriel, make this guy understand the vision. So Pretty cool task on the part of the, of, of the Lord. Where else do you know Gabriel from, of course? Yeah, the beginning of the Christmas story. Yeah. So he came beside the spot where I stood, and when he came, I was terrified and fell face down, which is a pretty common thing to do when you're confronted by an angel. Um, he said to me, understand, son of man, that the vision concerns the time of the end. And this saying the end could have two meanings. I'm sorry about that. Uh, the ultimate end is what end? The end of the world, judgment day. But the earlier end might be the end of the time of sacrifice. It could be when the sacrifices come to a close, which would be still talking about Antiochus. Some of the things from here to the end of the chapter, we got about eight verses or nine verses left. Some of them are going to point clearly to Antiochus Epiphanes. So many that some people think that it only points to him. But some of them are going to point more clearly to the Antichrist. And so we're going to allow it to do both sometimes. Uh, when he had spoken to me, I fell into a deep sleep, fell face down on the ground. He touched me and made me stand up. What happened to Daniel? I think he fainted. Have you ever fainted? I have. I was a missionary. Uh, my, 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 my mission counselor was telling me he didn't think I was working hard enough. I started pushing myself longer into the day, going further afar on foot and so forth. And I, I had come home for just a little bit of a break in the afternoon. And all of a sudden I woke up, my head hurt, and I was on the floor of our downstairs bathroom. I had fainted. I had collapsed. 
He gets him, so he stands him back up again. He said, listen, I'm about to make known to you what will happen during the last part of the furious anger because this concerns the appointed time of the end, whether it's the end of sacrifice or the end of all things. The ram that you saw had two horns, the kings of Medea and, or Media and Persia. So are we clear which vision we're in now, which part of the statue and so forth? Gabriel says it's that time. It's the silver kingdom, so okay. The male goat is the king of Greece. Who's the first king of Greece? Philip's son, really. Philip is just of Macedon. Alexander unites Greece as a whole thing. It's Alexander the Great. Yeah. He is the one, and the large horn between his eyes is the first king. He is the one who was broken. So that also tells us it's Alexander. Um, And four others arose in his place. Um, Alexander, it says it in the earlier verse, um, in the chapter that it was as he was as he was growing in strength he was broken and Alexander was only 33 when when he died four uh, uh, four others arose in his place for kingdoms will arise from his nation but not with the same power he had I went over this already the two ones we have to concern ourselves with are Syria up north and Egypt down south Verse 23, in the latter part of their kingdom, when the rebels have reached their full measure, a merciless king who understands intrigue will arise. His power will be very great, but not from his own power. He will destroy wonderful things, and he will succeed in doing this. He will destroy mighty men and the people of the saints. So this guy... um, we maintain is almost certainly, in fact, I'll say certainly, Antiochus Epiphanes. So if we go ahead from Daniel's time, about uh, 200 years, we go from the 550s or 30s to the 330s or so, that's Alexander the Great, and then Another hundred years goes by, and it's the, now it's the 200s. And in fact, we're going to go just a little bit beyond that to, because it's now Antiochus IV, and we get to about the year 175 B.C. This is getting down there, isn't it? We're getting closer and closer to the time of Christ. But if we get to this year, 175 B.C., a, a reasonable year to keep in your memory, something happens that helps us turn the page from Malachi to Matthew. And consider the differences between those two books of the Bible. What language was Malachi written in? Hebrew. What language is Matthew written in? Greek. Um, When uh, Malachi was there, the high priest was a Jew, right? And they're still offering sacrifices. When we get to Matthew, there's a high priest, but is there any talk about sacrifices? Not much. I'm not sure the high priest was doing a lot of that stuff. He's, he, the high priest seems to be spending more time listening to legal cases and yelling at Jesus than doing his job. Um, also, we go from, besides this language question, all of a sudden we go from there are only Jews in Jerusalem to who else is there in Matthew? 
Romans. They're Ro- and they're, the Romans have a citadel in Jerusalem. They, they have a, a palace and they have, and there's a Roman governor. How'd that happen? And there's all kinds of stuff going on. And we have, all of a sudden, instead of all the Jews being just all the Jews, we have different sects or denominations of Jews. What are a couple of them? Pharisees, Sadducees, and there are others. Um, those are the main ones. And how did, where did all that come from? Well, it all comes from what happens beginning in the year 175. So what, what, what's going on is um, this guy, Antiochus IV, as a child, had been taken as a, uh, what do you call those? They're not um, kidnapped. He's taken to Rome as a hostage. He's there 14 years. So while he's in Rome, he learns the Greek language, which was the language of the Roman Empire. He learns Greek customs. He learns the Roman slash Greek religion, Roman laws. He's obedient to the Romans. We're not to the days yet of Julius Caesar. It's the old Rome with a tyrant. But he learns Roman stuff. And then he is sent back to become king after Antiochus III dies. Antiochus IV, they call him Epiphanes, which means I had an epiphany. Like I've, I've, I've had a vision. And the Jews changed one letter and called him Epimenes, which means madman. Um, uh, the Jews like to do that. Um, and, they, and, and so they have their own nickname for him. And he gets into trouble. Antiochus is fighting against, first of all, and when he gets there, there's a, a debate. Uh, the old high priest has died. And who will be the new high priest of the Jews? Will it be Onias or Onias? Or will it be this guy, Jason, who is kind of a Greek lover? And the Greek lover, Jason, gives him a huge bribe. Who do you think is going to be king? No question. So Jason's the new high priest, not, not king, but high priest. Jason becomes high priest. But then Antiochus um, goes, he keeps trying to fight against the, 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 the Ptolemies down in Egypt. I think he wants the whole thing, although why you would want to reign everything from Armenia to the Sudan, I don't know. Because how could you ever, you know, get to all, anyway, he, he's, he's fighting, fighting, fighting. In one of the wars, he, they, there's a rumor that he lost, that he died. And so Jason tries to invade Jerusalem and drive out all of the Roman guys out of Jerusalem. But then behind him, tapping him on the shoulder, is Antiochus, who's not dead yet. I'm not dead yet. Whoops. And so there's this big persecution against the Jews. And, um, and uh, Jason is put to death. Another guy named Menelaus becomes uh, the high priest. There's another one of those war things and he, he goes and he's going to assault, attack Jerusalem and now he's had it with Jerusalem. He erects an altar to Zeus over the top of the altar in the temple. It's the abomination that causes desecration. He turns out an edict that says one religion, one law, one custom. He wants to make everybody in Israel basically a Greek. And, uh, and you're going to speak one language, you're going to have one religion, which is not the Jewish religion. And some of the Jews refuse to even fight, they're just put to death. But there's a guy in a city near Jerusalem, a little village called Modin. It's the Cortland of Jerusalem. And there's a man there named um, 
uh, 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 oh, it's the dad, Mattathias. He and his sons decide to take up arms and they start to fight against the Romans. They have some victories. Then they have some big victories. And his oldest son, Judas, who gets the nickname the Hammer, uh, which is Maccabeus in Latin, um, Judas Maccabeus begins to be their military leader and wins some incredible victories. Now, on the 25th of Kislev, um, he retakes the temple for the Jews. And there is this in, in, uh, legendary miracle of the oil for the lamp lasting not one night but eight nights, and that is today the festival of Hanukkah. Yeah. And a kind of small potatoes in the way that most miracles go, but said to be a miracle nevertheless. And Hanukkah, by the way, celebrated by Jesus in what book of the Bible? John chapter 10. He's there for the celebration. Um, so and, 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 and the only celebration that could have happened in the winter like that would have been Hanukkah, so it seems like it's mentioned in Scripture. Um, but this Antiochus later on, um, has another war with the, Ar- the, with the Armenians and he's eventually, he dies of a fever and, but things go very badly and it's where the Romans finally decide to come in and just end everything. The Romans then kick out the Greeks. Antiochus was a Greek. The Romans think the Greeks can't do it. They begin sending in their own Roman governors and now we have a Greek-speaking faction in Israel, Roman garrisons, Roman soldiers, and the birth of John the Baptist. That's kind of where we... And by the way, out of the Hasmoneans, out of the Maccabees, factions begin to splinter off that begin to say, we're going to follow the scriptures more purely, the Pharisees. We're going to follow just the book of writings of Moses, the Sadducees. The Sadducees eventually even throw off references to heaven and angels and things and just... We're just going to follow Moses, the law, there is no heaven. Why would you want to have a religion where there's no heaven? But I don't get that. But, and others. But So uh, that, this is what turns everything into what we have in Matthew. It's the, the Maccabean revolt. Um, we have about two more verses and we have people gathering. So Through his cunning he will deceive. This is Antiochus. He will deceive in order to succeed by his power and he will also exalt himself in his heart. He will destroy many who are at ease. He will rise up against the prince of princes. However, he will be broken, but not by human power. So on the one hand, Antiochus died of a fever, not in a battle. And Antichrist is not killed by human power, but by the word of God. Brought down by the word of God. The vision of the evenings and the mornings that was spoken is true, but you seal the vision. The word for seal here is not a wax seal on a scroll but it's where you put a rock over the cistern and cover it with dirt and you board up all the walls and the doors and the and you make the citadel impregnable Um, that's the kind of seal up the vision because it concerns a time many days in the future I Daniel was exhausted and sick for days then I got up and carried out the king's business remember he's in Babylon he just goes about Working for the king still. I was stunned by the vision, but I did not understand it. So we've pointed ahead to Antichrist. We've pointed ahead to Antiochus. 200 years in the future or 2,000 years in the future. Big stuff going on. Um, I wanted to show you some faces, though, of Antichrist. 
So this is John the 23rd, who died the year before I was born. Paul VI, who was uh, Pope uh, until 1978. John Paul I was only Pope for 33 days. He uncovered at the beginning of his papacy incredible wrongdoing in the bank of the Vatican. Billions of dollars had been misappropriated by some individuals. Um, And there was a problem. This is going to bring down part of the mafia. He was in Italy, after all. And a part of the Masonic Lodge. And all of a sudden, a month into his papacy, he's dead. In the middle of the night with a book in his chest. Just saying. Uh, John Paul II, then, uh, 78 to 2005... Uh, Benedict XVI, who stepped down from the papacy, he's still living, and is a problem for Pope Francis because Benedict and Francis disagree about things and they both speak as Pope sometimes. A problem. Next week, we will visit one of the great chapters of the Bible. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Orleans, Minnesota.